What if each one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way? Join Mindful Money Management, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner at Asante Wealth Management. Today we're going to discuss being a landlord, and our guests say it's simpler than you think. They're going to tell us how that is. My guests are Paul Drillard of DSK LLP. The DSK stands for Drillard, Sambrook, and Kingston, Certified General Accountants. And my second guest today is David Foreman, Realtor with Remax Twin City Realty. Before I introduce my guests, I'd like to share with you a few thoughts about some reading I was doing this week. Surveys indicate that investors' top fear is going broke in retirement. Certainly life expectancies have increased, and we know that people are living longer, and people want to maintain their standard of living in retirement. I want to tell you that living in fear is not pleasant, nor is it necessary. And this brings me back to the theme song that I'm always singing, and that is that you need to have a written financial plan. When I complete a retirement plan for someone, they invariably find that they're in better shape than they thought they were. The picture is better than they thought it was. Knowing where you stand is empowering, and it allows you to see what you can do to make the future better. It helps you take control. If you're working with a planner, make sure you're getting some clarity on what you can expect your income and expenses to be in retirement. And if you're not currently working with a planner, remember I offer you a free and confidential telephone consultation. Simply send me an email and we'll arrange a time to chat. So being a landlord is simpler than you think. Have you considered purchasing a rental property as an investment? Are you curious as to how to go about it? Are you hesitating because you don't know where to start? Today we'll learn from the professionals. Paul Drillard has the expertise and he promises that he can show you how it can be easy. Dave Foreman will share tips on what to consider when purchasing a rental property. You'll have the information you need to make a decision as to whether it's the right step for you. Paul Drillard's professional path in finance has been gratifying, varied, and challenging. Definitely far from boring. From the first stepping stones at IBM to management positions at Hallmark Cards, he's also been immersed in the challenging world of the automotive sector, Masco Group Van Dresser Industries, moving on to CEO and president at Pestel Group before taking on public practice as profit accounting in late 1999. In retrospect, Paul would say that deciding to make this initial move into the public sector has proven to be one of his best career decisions to date and has set the stage for an exciting new phase as part of the KW region's largest CGA practice, DSK LLP. David Foreman has lived just east of Cambridge in the small village of Sheffield for his entire life. He bought his parents' home there. He married Barb in 1996, and they have two boys, John and Mike, ages 16 and 14. He's been a real estate agent for over 18 years, and is a past member of the Real Estate Board of Cambridge. He finds real estate rewarding and enjoys the interaction with people, and especially finding properties for first-time buyers that are just starting out. 
He is currently the president of the Sheffield Lions Club, chair of the official board of his church, and has been a member of the Sheffield Minor Baseball for 25 years. He loves to ride his motorcycle, enjoys fishing, and most of all, likes watching all type of sports, especially those his sons are playing. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be with us this morning. Paul, let's talk about the person who should consider owning a rental property. Who Who is really in the best position to benefit from owning a rental? Well, and that's a huge question because there's quite a few people that could actually benefit from owning a rental property. The largest group is those who are actually the youngest group, if they can, because real estate is actually about future wealth, not about current wealth. It benefits those who have patience to wait for the mortgage to be paid down. So the younger you are, the better you are. If you are 25 to 30 years of age and you have the ability to borrow a down payment, that's a great opportunity. A lot Mm -hmm. of people approach me and say they can't afford to buy rental property because they just don't have the down payment. And that's where I tell them to try and be creative. And I say, okay, everybody knows somebody who has thought about maybe becoming a landlord or holding a rental property, an investment property, but are nervous about it, don't have the time to identify a property. You be the person that goes and finds the rental property. You be the person that does all the footwork, all the legwork, and then maybe they just provide the down payment. And that's called a partnership. Mm -hmm. And you can be a 50-50 partner. And now you've got 50% of a rental property without using any of your own money, just your own time and effort. So mm-hmm. that's just one instance where I can see just what anybody getting into having an investment property, even if you don't have the funds at the time to do that with. Right, um, right. Obviously, those who have their mortgage paid off and are sitting on a huge equity in their own house is a prime person that should look at buying an investment property. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Yeah, and I I think that uh, anybody that doesn't have a a pension plan or something to back up as retirement comes along, that a rental property is one vehicle that can be used to fulfill that portfolio Mm -hmm. and just one step, you know, so. And I, I would add to that from the investment perspective that owning a rental property is something that really does give you some diversification. A lot of people misunderstand that word diversification, and they think that means having investments at five different institutions. But you can actually have investments at five different institutions and not be diversified if you've got Canadian equity in each one of those or if you've got bonds in each one of those. So, you know, from an investment perspective, the rental property is something that does truly diversify, as you're saying, Dave. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. And then the market has proven over the last, like I've been at 18 years, so we've had a good market. Even in 2008 and 2009 when we were going through the recession, the market, real estate market was still good and showing a good return. It, it went flat at 2 3% growth over those two years. But in the meantime, we've had 5 to up to 10% growth in real estate property values. So it is a good investment. Mm-hmm, for sure. So a person's in a position, really, if they can get the down payment, is it a good idea for anyone? Well, owning rental property isn't for the weak of heart, to be honest, because you are dealing with tenants. and I would say through experience that 98% of the people that are renting are out there to rent and treat your property well and to take care of it and to pay their bills on time. But there's that 2% factor. You do have to be cognizant of that is out there, and that is what all the stories transpose from. That's what the media latches on to, that there's people out there that don't treat it well. So you do have to do your homework. You have to be prepared. You have to make sure you screen the tenants properly. 
But by and large, it's, it's a wise investment from a future growth point of view. You're using other people's money as an investment. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is paying down your mortgage, and as Dave alluded to, you're also riding the market curve, and it can go anywhere from a 2% growth to a 10% growth in a year. So over the long point in time, your return on investment actually is magnified by the accumulation of the market improvement plus the uh, fact that somebody else is paying your mortgage down. So the return on investment can be quite attractive compared to other investment vehicles that are out there. Mm-hmm. So why else does it make good business sense? Like say we're talking about someone who just has a salary, right? Can we talk a little bit about you know, one, writing, one thought writing things com- off and making it a business? One thing that comes to mind right away is that if I was to want a condo in my retirement years, that maybe if purchasing it now and having it rented out for the next 20 years until I retire, it would be paid for by the tenant, as Paul said, and then you could step into that unit at retirement time and selling your home as as uh, used as capital later on. But your home then, your your secondary home, your your condo would be paid for, and you wouldn't have to pay the inflated price of missing the market by 20 years. So it's just another mm-hmm. another idea that you may want to find a retirement home, whether it be a summer place in Florida or here in Canada, and buy it now and have somebody pay for it, and then you have it for your retirement days. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because everybody's situation is different and what everybody wants is different. So just to examine some of the possibilities, I think, is a great thought. Well, just on a personal note, I did exactly that about uh, six years ago. There was a new development of freehold townhouses. And for those who don't know, freehold means that there's no condo fees. And everything was on one floor with a loft apartment on the top with its own separate bathroom. And I bought it just for that reason, is that I would probably want something a little smaller, maybe all on one floor later in life when I retire. In the meantime, we have tenants in there renting it so that when I finally decide that if I want to move into their retirement age, it will be paid for using, again, somebody else's money. I can then Mm -hmm. sell my principal residence and have a nice little nest egg for my retirement. So it makes absolute sense, whether it's a freehold, a condo, a townhouse, whichever. The other thing, Paul, while your tenant is in there, all the repairs and upgrades that you want to do for eventually when you move in in 20 years' time or whatever are done with their money, again, and off your your taxable income. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love the way you think. (laughs) (laughs) And so as as a business and talking about, you know, this against our taxable income, what can you tell us a little bit more about the sense of owning a rental property from that perspective, Paul? Well, there is a tax consequence to rental property. The principal payment of the mortgage is not an expense so you will have rental income. You will have expenses against that rental income, the mortgage interest, the property taxes, insurance, utilities if you're paying it. Chances are that if there's not a lot of repairs and maintenance, you will have a slight income from that property from a tax point of view. Again, you're paying a tax rate on that. So if you're in a 30% tax bracket and if you have like a you know a $1,000 profit at the end of it, it'll cost you $300 in tax, which isn't huge since somebody else is paying down possibly five or $6,000 of your debt. Now, mm-hmm. when you sell it, if you do sell it at a future date, there is capital gains. But again, capital gains is the lowest taxed income of all income sources because only half of the gain is taxed. So it's the most tax-advantageous investment there is out there right now. Mm-hmm. That's great. So we we'll want to talk a little bit about the records that need to be kept on these things as well. If I've never done any record-keeping before, Paul, <laughs> but I think I'd like to own a rental property, where am I going to start? 
Well, it, it can be as simple as just using a piece of paper and a pencil and recording all the income and the expenses to an Excel spreadsheet to a software package such as QuickBooks or Simply Accounting. I would actually think that if you're going to get into the rental business, then you probably should treat it like a professional business and get into a software package like QuickBooks where you mm -hmm. can record all the rent and the expenses. If you get into commercial properties, then HST becomes a factor and that becomes a little more complex to keep track of. If you just have no inclination to do the bookkeeping, then firms like myself, we have bookkeepers on staff that take care of that for you because it's paramount to have proper records in place if CRA ever comes knocking on your door to have you justify the losses or the smaller amount of income that you're showing from your right. properties. Okay. Yeah, it just makes um, good sense to have everything prepared. We need to go to break right now, but I'd like to chat a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. Okay. Do you want to make a difference? What if you found a way to make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Apply mindful money management and learn how to create a better world by casting a vote for your values every time you spend, invest, and donate. Lynn Wedham is available to speak to you individually or to your group. You can reach Lynn at 519-654-8342 or by email at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. The show today is called Being a Landlord is Simpler Than You Think. I'm speaking with Paul Drillard, CGA, and Dave Foreman, Realtor. We've just been talking a little bit about the records that need to be kept. And, Paul, you suggested that, you know, there are people with bookkeeping services that you could use a service, but you'd still have to know what things you needed to provide to the bookkeeper. So yes. what are those things that have to be kept track of? The uh, If you can get copies of the checks or the rent receipts to prove the rental income, the best way to actually, if you go to a bank and set up a separate bank account, myself as well as a lot of our clients that have rental properties, we set up separate bank accounts, and the fees can be as low as $3.95 a month for a bank account, and it makes it easier to track everything through there. Mm -hmm. So the main thing is, all your expenses, so if you have insurance costs coming out on a monthly basis through that separate bank account, that's easy to track. Property taxes, if you can set that up, so that's coming out on a monthly basis, that's easy to track as well as the bill from the uh, city at the time. The tough one, of course, is repairs and maintenance mm -hmm. because every rental property at some point in time will require repairs and maintenance, and some are capital nature where they have to be part of the capital cost. Some are actually expenses where they can be part of a reduction. So that's where it gets a little tricky for some landlords as to decide what is what, and that's where you know people like ourselves can help you with that. So basically just what I tell everybody is if you spend it to earn income, put it in the bag and bring it to us so we can you know record it for your property or advise you how to record it, such as if you're replacing a window with the same kind of window, that's an expense. If you replace an asphalt roof with a steel roof, that's a capital item because it improves hmm. the house. So you have okay. to look at different things like that. Is that all capital, Paul, or can it be split half and half? Because you did you did need a new roof. You did need a new roof, and you could take part of it as an expense for that year, but the depreciation kicks in that allows you that expense portion, Dave. Oh, yeah. Okay. Same as buying a new right. car or whatever, 30% the yeah. first year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, right. too, if I can touch on with the record keeping, again, when I sit down with the, an investor, one of the first questions I ask is, how many do you plan on having? If you only plan on having one in your life, 
then own it as a sole proprietor yourself individually. If you plan on getting into real estate from a business point of view and having multiple properties, we want to look at incorporation and incorporating those a company before you buy the properties and buying the properties inside the corporation. Then if the record keeping becomes even more paramount because you have to file a corporate tax return, all the record keeping has to be top notch. So you mm-hmm. really should talk to a professional before you get into that business to make sure what you need to keep, how to record it, what structure you want to have. Because I've seen it so many times before where a client will come to me with four or five rental properties that are all owned personally. That individual now has done quite well individually. So the income is added to their other income and puts them into the highest tax bracket. So there is right. some tax planning you want to do before. Mm-hmm. Or as you're going, as you're taking or those as you're steps. Going, at least. Yeah. Yeah. We have a a question from someone on the chat line here. Are there ways to have an investment property and not have to deal with the repairs? And then tenant management is the other thing, to not have to pick up the rents and not have to deal with that side of things. I was uh, in grade 9 or 10, and I had a math teacher, and he had a couple rentals. And he's talking to my brain, if you can fix a toilet, fix a toilet and save the money. But a lot of people Mm -hmm. can't. So... I have a quite an extensive list of handyman, plumbers, electricians, and guys that will just about do anything, and I'd sooner give them a call than attempt something that I'm not, uh, <laughs> not up on, <laughs> as plumbing is not my forte. But they need to have a list of competent people that are at the ready, that if you do have an emergency, you can call them, and they don't mind going over to your property. And the biggest thing is to be ahead of the property, the big emergencies. So if you have a faucet that's leaking today, replace it. Don't wait for the taps to corrode off the sink before you have mm-hmm. to go in because then that's when the real damage starts. Right. To that extent, too, I agree with that, Dave, wholeheartedly. And there are property management firms out there for the reader who uh, rose that question that if you just are not handy at all or just so busy that like you haven't got time to devote to it, there are property management companies out there that will take care of that for you, obviously for a fee and they'll visit it, and they'll make sure that they repair everything and do a preventative maintenance program as well. And then that's absolutely why a lot of people don't get into it, because they don't have the time to look at it or fix it up. But there are companies out there. There's there's other individuals, like Dave alluded to, that will take care of it for you. So don't let that mm-hmm. be a stumbling block. I've even heard of people where they felt the opportunity for rentals was in another city other than where they lived. And they've, in that case, had someone else look after everything. That's absolutely true. And from my own experience, when my son went to Brock University in St. Catharines, I bought a property there. And what I did is I went door to door in the neighborhood and knocked on the door until I found a person that was retired. And Hmm. he became my eyes and my ears, my property manager. (laughs) Sometimes it's as simple as that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. There's one thing I would like to mention here. Out-of-town properties are great, but I prefer to get something that's close enough to home that you can keep an eye on it and go periodically over to the property, but something that's not right next door or that you're living in yourself because you don't want to see what's happening on that property 24-7 because it may it may bother you and it's it's not your home. You've got to remember that that house is rented out by an individual and it's their home to live in. You may own it, but they have the right to do with what they want. And sometimes it just doesn't sit well with with you and your ideas of what that property should do or, or look like. So I like to keep mine far enough away, but close enough that it's convenient to go over and check on it periodically. We did have a rental once, and it was half an hour away from home. And my husband didn't have any any help. I mean, he is handy, but 
just the driving back and forth. And, you know, if the furnace is going to quit working, it's going to quit working on Christmas Eve at midnight, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so true. <laughs> One of the things to talk so, about uh, repairs and, and, and the furnace and stuff like that, I have a practice that I do that I would go in and change the furnace filter once a month, regardless of the time of year, because even the air conditioning unit uses the filter and the fan to blow the air around. And it gave me an opportunity to go in the house and just have a nose around and make sure that there weren't wrecking things or that, you know, there wasn't a tap leaking that they haven't told me about or a cupboard door that had fallen off its hinges that you could get them repaired right away. And it does keep an eye on the property and avoids you having to run over at 10 o'clock to fix something because you did it at your time and sometime when it was convenient for both of you to walk through and have a look at all the issues that could have right. been a problem. That's a very good point, Dave. And if I can mention one thing for the listening audience out there, it's crucial that you actually do visit your rental property on a timely basis. Everybody's heard of a grow-up where somebody rents a house and turns it into a grow-up and the landlord has not did that. Everybody needs to know that if that occurs, your insurance is null and void. So any damage that's done to the house is totally now your responsibility because you neglected your duties as a landlord. So very good point, Dave. Make sure that you get over there and check out your house once in a while. Mm-hmm. And the damage that can be done to your investment in that case, that's kind of the worst case scenario there. But if these tips that we're talking about going on a regular basis, having a neighbor, like Paul said, as your eyes and ears, and once things are not the way they should be, that's when you need to intervene before it becomes a major problem or an issue. Or if you leave a property alone for six months or a year, you've already missed the boat on nipping that in the butt and uh, correcting it before it begins. Right. So let's talk about mortgages on rental properties. You mentioned, Paul, about the interest being a tax deduction. So that leads me to wonder, do we recommend people pay off the mortgages on their rental property if they have a mortgage on their principal residence and also on a rental? Which one would we want to pay off? Good point. What I always do with our clients, I sit down and I ask them, what do they have from a debt point of view? So if they have a mortgage on their principal residence, if they have a mortgage on their investment property, if they have credit cards, the first thing you want to identify is the non-deductible debt. And what I mean by that is if you have a rental property, the interest on the mortgage is a deductible debt. You can write off that interest against the income. The principal residence mortgage is a non-deductible debt as well as credit card interest. So you always want to target the highest interest rate that's non-deductible and pay that off first. So credit card debt paid first, Prince residence paid off second. And the nice thing with paying off your Prince residence prior to any other deductible debt is then you also build up your equity in your Prince residence, which then gives you more borrowing capacity than lets you buy another investment property. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got some mortgage rates. Just as a ballpark figures, if you were to buy a property at 220 the mortgage amount would be the 180 at 3% interest at a five-year term, for example. The uh, P&I, principal and interest, would be 850 a month. You know, So if you can get a place for $1,100 a month to pay the 850 for mortgage, principal and interest, uh, there's still some money there for taxes and, and all the other expenses to go. So it's the hard part is to come up with that $40,000 mm-hmm. or, or 20% down that you need for that property. Unless right. you have the equity in your house, then you can get a line of credit, and that's how you get the down payment, through a line of credit on your principal residence. But if you're not going to live in the property, do you do need the 20% down if it is a rental property? And I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people, and I've never personally done it, taken money from our RSP to purchase a home. But then you have to pay that back on a monthly basis, and it has to be a part of the 
you know, your recovery rate from your mortgage money, right? So You can own a rental property inside your RSP. I was just alluding to the fact that if your house is paid off and your house mm-hmm. is worth $300,000, you can get a line of credit against your house, and that would qualify as your down payment. So then really, in effect, you have a mortgage for 80%. You've taken 20% line of credit, interest only, on your principal yeah. residence. Then it's 100% financed, which then your return on investment becomes you know, huge. And then you pay that line of credit off when you renegotiate your mortgage five years down the road. If you do have a second rental property and there's equity in that, that you could take it from there as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of different strategies. It's just worth all to sit down with someone like Dave or myself or yourself, Lynn, and just sort of discuss all the different options. Right, for sure. Yeah, it's time for us to go to break again, and um, we'll chat a little bit more about this topic when we come back. In society, plant giving seems to be presented as something you do when you're extremely wealthy or planning your estate. Mindful Money Management focuses on planning your contribution at every step around the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and create a better world. Tune in to Mindful Money Management regularly. Feel free to contact Lynn Wedham of Asante Estate and Insurance Services with your planned giving questions. You can contact Lynn at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. My guests are Paul Gillard and Dave Foreman. We are talking about being a landlord is simpler than you think. We're just talking about down payments and that 20% is required. Why does the lender require 20% down on a rental property when we have ways around that for our personal properties? One of the reasons is the higher risk to the bank that the damage is going to be done to the home or that the landlord can't overcome the vacancy rate of the property. So the property becomes vacant and you're unable to make the mortgage payments on your own, then the mortgage will become in default. So there's a higher risk to the bank for that. It's just not on rental properties, Lynn. Any secondary property now has to have 20% down. That's just changed uh, as of July 1st this year. So that would be your, your cottage or a vacation property or... Yes, right. And it's just the bank has tightened up their rules for borrowing money right across the board, and that was just one of the stipulations that they put out this year. Okay. So what would someone be looking for in a rental property? We've talked a bit about location. You talked a bit about what the payment and wanting there to be a little bit of leeway there for paying other bills. But location, price, what features are we looking for? Well, again, like we did talk about convenience to your property because you are going to get a call late at night to go repair something or have a look at something that isn't working properly in the home. And you want that to be convenient and not a real pain to drive an hour and a half, let's say, to go look at something that turns out to be a light bulb that is out. Mm -hmm. That does happen. The other thing to look at is in a community that's on the upswing. And what we mean by that is something that that you can have a property, maybe buy it cheaper than you would have normally because the community is on a swingward where young families are moving in, and over the next 20 years that you own your property, that community will improve as people get better jobs and raise their families, and you can improve your home along with theirs. And then at the end of it, you've got a a good home with lots of equity built in just because the whole community as a whole has improved. So that's one thing that I always look for, and you'll look for that in for a personal property as well as a rental property, is to find something that you uh, could put money into and not over-improve it, that you will not get that money out when you go to sell. 
So well, that's and, a and I think what part. you talked about is there's also going to be a demand at the time that you want to sell in that community as well. Yes, right? that's right. Yeah. And and that's what you want is a, is a quick sale uh, because ten when you want to sell you'll want to sell it right away because you've got your eye on something else or the next step in your life, right? Mm, so uh, right. you don't want to be hanging on to something that you don't really want for five six months and then lose money because it's been on the market that long. Um, right. So We're looking at the resale value as well. For sure. Any big investment like this, you want to be able to resell it for sure. There's an organization called Rain Real Estate Investment Network, and they actually look at all of Canada and they rank the best places to purchase right now. And actually, the Kitchener, hmm. Cambridge area is the hottest area in all of Canada for real estate investments for a few reasons. One is that we have a very solid employment base. It's very diversified. We have three of the best educational facilities in, in the world. And right now, and Dave, you know this, there's a very low vacancy rate, specifically Cambridge right now. So for investment properties, it's a perfect time to buy because there's a lot of tenants that they're looking for a decent place to live in. And then, as Dave alluded to, the resale value, it's just continuing to go up because of the infrastructure. We're getting light rail. We're getting more go service. We're getting more attention. And that helps to build the market value as well. And Cambridge versus Kitchener-Marlou is still probably a lower cost, wouldn't you say, Dave, to get into the marketplace right now? Yes. You get a bigger bang for your buck, as we say in the business, that you get a larger property and one that will grow. Kitchener is saturated due to the uh, the community and rooming houses and, and uh, stuff you have around the universities and college is, is in Kitchener. And Cambridge doesn't really have that, but the uh, family rental business is very hot. And one thing we didn't talk about earlier that, that is very important is to look at tenants. Don't be afraid to have a house vacant for a month or two that you can take your time and find the right tenant because it'll save you a pile of headaches down the road. If you feel comfortable with the people, you've done your proper background checks to make sure that the people suit you as well as you suit them, and then you're going to be a, have a happy landlord-tenant life together for the next several years. One thing, mm-hmm. as your rents get higher, you do get people with better income that can afford those higher rents, but they're likely not going to stay in your property very long. They may stay for a year or two due to schools or what have you, but because if they're paying twelve, thirteen hundred $1,300 a month for a property, they could swing into a mortgage of their own once they're able to swing that down payment. And that's that's the key is having the down payment. And once they've saved that while renting with you, then they'll likely pick up and, and move to their own home, which is not a problem because 9 out of 10 of those people leave the house in pristine condition when they leave and easy to rent the next time out. Which then actually leads so, us so into another investment strategy where you can discuss that with a tenant saying, if you really like this place, we can work on a rent-to-own situation where you can rent it for the two years until you can accumulate a down payment, then I'll sell it to you. So that's another investment strategy that uh, is out there and I know has worked well for some investors. And how does that actually work? How How is the down payment worked into that? There is a lot of companies out there that will do this. And, and so what they typically do is they charge a, a rent that would equivalent to the principal and interest and taxes and some money for repairs over the course of the year. And then they would charge an additional, uh, let's say, three to $400 a month on top of the mortgage that would be held by the landlord in a, an account that you accumulate over the next three, four years. You get enough to have your 5% down, and that would be used as your down payment. There is a few loopholes in this 
with some people. As Paul said, if you were doing it on a, an individual basis where you held the mortgage and then people you held the money, when you get in with the companies, the fine print is basically if you renege on any mortgage payments or are late on a mortgage payment, that that money that has accumulated over the course of two or three years is forfeited and is kept by the landlord, and now you're back to a rental only. So that, that is, that's a, one of the things you have to be leery of is when you get in those rent-to-own property type things. The, the fine print is that they're uh, going to take all your money that you've worked hard to save because you happen to be late one month. The other point to that fact is that a lot of people say, well, you can rent to own because you don't qualify for a mortgage at this particular time. And that's true that some people are just starting a job. They haven't been in a job for more than a year or they've had some credit issues that uh, will be cleaned up in six months or a year's time. So there is a purpose for this rent to own. The key is, though, is to if you've had a bankruptcy and you can't get, uh, you know, you've got seven year period there to wait. Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But that seven year period, if you were renting for three years, some of those companies know for well that you won't qualify in three or four years' time. And again, in that small print, it says right there, if you don't qualify for the mortgage, that you forfeit all the money you've just saved. And there are companies on, out there, unfortunately, that will prey on people that they know their credit is no good now and will be no good in three or four years, but they've taken this sum from them over the course of time. So it's really important to have a lawyer look over those documents and work with some reputable companies. One of the points I have here on my notes here is, is speak to family and friends that are landlords already because they can give you invaluable tips on uh, what to watch for when you're, when you're interviewing tenants and or if you're a tenant, ask the landlord or somebody to know about the ins and outs of rent to own and, uh, and speak to professionals like ourselves regarding those things so you, there isn't a pitfall there at the end of the road for you. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the key there is to be careful. Oh, yes. Yeah, doesn't your mom say that? Everything in life to be careful. (laughs) The right tenant is the key to success. One of the things that we do and a lot of our clients do is in the actual application, when it comes down to deciding which tenant gets it, is to ask for a credit report and a police report. And uh, just asking for those two things, which is totally within your rights to ask for, tends to bring the serious tenants to the table only and those who uh, mm-hmm. don't have any skeletons in the closet. And that's been a very large success for a lot of our clients, ask for those two things. Yeah, that's good to mention because I think a lot of people wouldn't have known that it was their right to ask for those things mm-hmm. as well. Right. Now, the tenant can refuse, but if they refuse, then that tells you something right there, doesn't it? There's something there, yeah. Yeah, it would make you curious as to why. We did have a question in the chat room. Is there risks and rewards for purchasing the investment property in the lower income areas, or is it best to go to the middle class property? I think you you spoke somewhat to that, Dave, in when we talked about the resale, I guess. Well, with property as a whole, whether rental or non-rental, the lower end of the spectrum with regard to price, they don't tend to move as much as your mid-range pricing. So if the market was to go up 5%, obviously 5% across the board, if you're at 150,000 is going to be less than if you're at 350. So if you can swing it to get a property that's, you know, at a price point where the property is paying for itself, and that's the key. So if you've got 20% down and you can get a rent that would substantiate the taxes as well as the principal and interest as in your insurance, and then have a, give you a little money left over. Now, I like to have a, a cushion of two to $300 a month that is going into my bank account. So when there's time to uh, put a roof on, you've got a little nest egg there to accommodate that. 
or to put a window in, uh, you know, every year or just to improve the property, again, with the tenant's monies, right? Right, right. And that would be if you were helping someone look for a rental property, these would be the kinds of things that you would help clarify for people as well, Dave? Oh, for sure. Like even when you're uh, purchasing a rental property, that you want to be in a neighborhood that you would live in because you're not necessarily going to put somebody that just because they're renting off you in a neighborhood that would be unsuitable for, for most people, especially if they have children. You have to be aware of that what schools they go to and how they walk to school and that there's not activities in the neighborhood that you wouldn't want your children to see. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's with any property that you're purchasing, including a rental, because you got to remember, in 20 years' time or, you know, somewhere down the line, you're probably going to want to sell this property, and all those mm-hmm. factors make for an easier sale at the end of the process. Well, I would think the neighborhood would also speak to the kind of tenant that you're going to attract as well. Right, and, you know, again, if they're able to pay a decent buck for their rent, You're likely to have less trouble with payment, you know, being late for one or not paying at all. And the other thing is when they want to move out, most people will move out and leave the home in a reasonable condition. And those are the two big factors is payment and the damage to your home. And we've we've alluded to both that those are manageable if you keep an eye on the property. Right, right. It's time to go for another commercial break and we'll chat a bit more when we come back. Do you want to make a difference? What if you found a way to make a far bigger impact than you ever thought possible? Apply mindful money management and learn how to create a better world by casting a vote for your values every time you spend, invest, and donate. Lynn Wedham is available to speak to you individually or to your group. You can reach Lynn at 519-654-8342 or by email at lynn at mindfulmoneymanagement.ca. Again, this is Lynn Wedham with Paul Drillard and Dave Foreman, and we've been talking about owning rental properties. What would be someone's next step? I'll ask both of you this question. Paul, earlier you said that someone should speak to a financial planner, an accountant, or a realtor. They, They should speak to one or the other. I think likely the real answer is speak to everyone because we all are coming at this from a little different perspective. You know, it's clear that we all have a little bit different slant to add to things. So if our listeners are interested now, they want to know more, what do they do next, Paul? I agree with you that they should talk to all three of us. You know, Dave has lots of experience with rental properties. He can actually point them in the right location. You can let them know what finances are available to them as to availability for investment. I can walk them through the tax advantages of whether they own it through being a sole proprietor or having it through a corporation. The bottom line is, and it's almost like that Scotiabank commercial, you're richer than you think. A lot of people do have access to the funds. They just don't know they do. And it's such a huge unknown to a lot of people that they don't do anything about it at all. Right. So communication and knowledge are the key things. So talk to all three of us. And when you're done talking to all three of us, I think you'll be so comfortable with the fact that having a rental property is not as scary as you think. Uh <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Dave, what would you say to someone who wants to learn more? What are their next steps? Talk to friends and family that are landlords now. And uh, everybody has the the horror story that you hear. But for the most part, if you talk to a landlord that bought a house 30, 35 years ago and uh, ask him the value of that property today, 
the horror stories would be outweighed by the investment and the capital gains that he's made on that property over the years. And some of the lowlights, if you will, were undershadowed by the, the fact that he's made that kind of money on his investment. The other thing is, again, as Paul said, don't be afraid. The down payment is a lot of money for a lot of people, or they think it is. It'll come back rapidly. And if you were to make $200 a month on top of your costs on a property and take that off the top at the end of the year and put it back into your principal, it wouldn't take you long to whittle the principal down and you'd be mortgage-free and still having that income come in as an investment later on. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's very important to put these numbers down in the way that you've explained them. And I think it's very good you have both given us a lot of the keys to staying out of some of the trouble. You mentioned the horror stories, but you've given us some very good guidelines to stay away from that. So thank you for that. So thanks, Paul, for teaching us how simple it can be to be a landlord. Paul, how can our listeners reach you if they have more questions for you? Well, they can actually just check us out on our website, dskcga.com, and there you'll see all of our contact information and get a better flavor for who we all are at the firm. Again, that's dskcga.com, and we have an office in Kitchener as well as Cambridge. That's great. And Dave, thanks for telling us what to look for in a rental property. How can people reach you, Dave, if they have more questions? My email is dave at housesincambridge.ca. That's houses, plural, houses in Cambridge, all one word. Just wanted to reiterate a couple of things about finding a property. I want to tell people it is a rental property and not to fall in love with it. It is a, a, a tool, a tool to help your investment portfolio. And it is, is likely going to have damage, whether it's just wear and tear. And a lot of people aren't as clean as what you may be. So you just have to know that it's it's going to need some paint and maybe new rug every once in a while and not to fall in love with it and just to treat it as an investment. So that's my, uh, I guess, my final mm-hmm. words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, you know, even in that purchasing process, you're looking for something a little different than what you're looking for if you were purchasing it for yourself as well. Yeah, there's a, sure. there's a couple things that we didn't touch on. Like one is I like one that contains two units so that you have a, a diversify of rent coming in. So if one tenant is mm-hmm. leaving and you have a vacancy for a month that you're not paying the whole bill yourself. The other thing is to look into parking. Parking is a big issue with tenants. They don't have a car today, but they will tomorrow type of thing. And you need mm-hmm. to have adequate parking. The other big thing is a separate water, heat, and hydro. If at all possible to keep those utilities separate. It just adds for a, a lot less confusion at bill time and one tenant saying, well, he's using more hydro than me. Again, solve the problem before it begins. It's a lot easier on everybody. Yeah, that would certainly uh, provide some real clarity to things to have the separate meters. So that's terrific. Well, thank you, gentlemen. That was uh, a lot of good information shared this morning. And I think if people have the thoughts of taking on a rental property, that they've got a lot of information there to add to what they had before. Remember, I welcome your thoughts, comments, questions, suggestions for guests, or ideas for show topics. I'd love to chat with you. Remember, I'm here to help. This is Lynn Wedham. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Mindful Money Management. We hope you'll join us next time. To listen to more shows like this one, please go to soundcloud.com and search Mindful Money Management. We appreciate your follows, likes, and shares. Until next time.
Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community.